start very formal, oh, formal. Mm. so hi could you introduce yes. yourself and i want to know what's made you mad recently what's made you sad recently and what's made you glad recently mm. so introduce yourself first well i'm Matthew berg Burnley. i'm the actor writer director on max um is that your title in life? Because on that, are you a producer as well? Yeah, exact producer, yeah. So it's a long title. Yeah, yeah, I wrote some of the music too, so... It's a music producer, composer. Yeah, and then also I made the uh, sandwiches on Thursdays. For catering. So now joking about that. Oh, yeah, that's the thing they that looks like. But you've got a very extensive, um, joke, yeah. long CV. Yeah. yeah. To be honest, I normally introduce myself as a writer-director. So. It's easier. Uh, yeah, but it's also, I guess, a kind of like self-fulfilling prophecy thing that you know that's one of you know my acting is has been you know quite well established, and so I'm, I'm, I'm just in that. So when you speak that, does that mean people take you? No, eventually people are like, "What have you done?" And I'm like, "Well, nothing yet." Yeah, I mean, no, it's not nothing. I've done short films and now I've done likes, but. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, to be honest, I do it less for other people and more for myself. Fair enough. I get that. Self-affirmation. Mm. So what's made you sad recently? Uh, what's made me sad? I mean... I, I, honestly, I think the thing... The things that I, I don't... I don't really get... Most of the things that make me sad are more personal things, more to do with, you know, I, don't, I didn't get to see my nephew, I went to see mm-hmm. my sister's basketball game and I missed it, and, like, they, those are the things that I think affect me most. Mm. Um, yeah. That's and, 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 and that's the same for all my, like, my anger or my 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 joy. Like, they, I, I try and resist kind of, like... A soap opera addiction to like the twenty-four hour news cycle, and 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 whereas like there are like big macro things that we got to deal with, like climate change and the rise of nationalism and stuff like that. I feel like in, income and poverty, like, and those are things to be upset and energized and motivated about. Um, I try and resist being too attached to the day-to-day. No, I hear that because you've got to survive. Right, you've got to get on and motivate and get on with the next day. Yeah, but you also have to live in a reality, like in a reality that you can be effective in. Yeah. You know, because well, what's the use of knowledge? What's the, if, if you're not, if I'm going to learn about something, going on, am I going to go campaign about it? Am I going to, like, how, how is that knowledge going to affect my existence? And so I try and, like, engage with things where I can feel like I can contribute something. So sad and mad's tied in together. It's all about glad. I was really glad recently. Listen, <laughs> got another day of consciousness. Yeah, you know, like you can't really take life for granted. You know, my brother passed a year and a half ago. Yeah. He was, you know, young guy, and so you know, you you just realise that you're, yeah, you did nothing is guaranteed, and all the things that you obsess and worry about during the day can be all made irrelevant by that great equaliser of, of death. And so, so yeah, I'm glad for another day. Well, that, that's um, like massive answer. And I suppose, so you come from a big family. Mm. So losing someone in a big family, mm. how does that, what's the knock-on effect of that? Because I, for, I come from a smaller number of siblings, so 
I don't know what when you're in an army of right of siblings <laughs> that, yeah. and what how does that work and how do you guys support each other through it and how have you supported each other through this this um, I mean I I guess it all depends on the individual and your and your individual relationship and uh, you know we were really lucky in my family that that we have quite a closeness amongst the siblings and quite a support network so that definitely helps but I, th- I think with all loss and, and in many ways Max is about loss Max, Max is about you know it's about a guy who's lost his fame he's lost his youth he's lost his um, integrity yeah he's lost his integrity <laughs> right he's lost his his, his girlfriend um, and, and a lot of Max is about how you cope with that and I think there are functional ways of coping with that which are connected to rituals of gratitude and to connecting with community and finding out ways that you can contribute and give and there are dysfunctional ways about that which is chasing fame and notori- you know positive notoriety and 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 these kind of vacuous things which don't fundamentally fulfill us so max where were you when you got the idea for it um, I was do- I was doing uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom at the, at the National Theatre. Oh, you saw that? Oh, yeah, of course. So, yeah, it was during that time. and um, That's, how, what, three years ago? Yeah, 2016, yeah. But weirdly enough, like, although it was a very um, gratifying time for me artistically, I was going through quite a tough time, you know, emotionally for various reasons. And, and so, yeah, it was, it was around that time that I kind of felt like, oh, I started getting this idea for this character, this dysfunctional character that relates to his life in a dysfunctional way mm-hmm. and the kind of like the worst of all of us kind of thing and so I thought it was an exciting type of character to play especially because I don't get to play those types of characters oftentimes on screen so yeah you mentioned at the Q&A last night that you're, you're always the boyfriend of the husband yeah. how did cause you, I mean you avoided gangster roadman right right criminal number five yeah because that was coming for me um <laughs> so but then now you got into the because the boyfriend and husband's a bit of a bit of, bit of a status, I suppose. But then it gets boring, right? Or yeah, I mean, it was always it was always pretty boring. <laughs> now that I'm grateful for work. So but... sorry to cut you. For of all the husbands, boyfriends that you've played, which is your favourite? Which has been your least fulfilling? Well, I'd say the most one of the most fulfilling. I mean, obviously playing doing mm-hmm. handmaids is yeah. great, but but actually one of my the things I enjoyed most was doing Looking, which is a, an HBO series because. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, it was just a very interesting character for me to explore. Mm. So that 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 was, and you know, working with great people. So I guess th- those two are some of my favourite boyfriend <laughs> husbands, my boyfriend and favourite boyfriend, favourite husband. Um, but yeah, at the time it was kind of it's like getting typecast into that isn't always satisfying, obviously. Yeah, but but working in those working with those people. Andrew Haig and Reed Morano was the, d- the director of photography on Looking and the director of of, uh, of Handmaid's Tale. You know, it's wonderful when you work to work with talent like that. I did a show called Grown Ups a million years ago, which I was not the thing I was most proud of. <laughs> it was great to the extent to which I got to do comedy, and I and I love to do comedy. So so that that was fun. But I guess it's about the multidimensionality of the character. Sure. That that's fundamentally what it comes down to. And like when I do theatre, I've had I had an opportunity to play parts, which are multifaceted mm. and so it gets less so sometimes in TV so you're in a frustrated state or not in a great place you yeah. have this idea for Max and then it's a journey of bringing this thing to life had you gone to America when doing Mulroney had you been had you had connections there it was 
looking and stuff your first kind of no i mean I, i've been going out. yeah no I, I i did my first movie out in um in america in 2006 uh, you know i'd, I'd done a uh, indie movie called uh radio kick cod yeah, and, yeah. and then i did a movie with michelle pfeiffer and paul rudd called i could never be a woman and then i you know i did a tv series out there called quarter life so I, i've been going over to the states quite a bit before then so you've been to america you've seen the success of america in a sense and then you come here there's frustration. You are doing my rainy. That's a great. It was a great production. And the lay of the land in the UK is different from America. So, what were your thoughts in? Okay, I've got this idea. I need to get it made. However, the dynamics over here. We don't have. Do we have the structure? But I don't know. For a start, actually, that wasn't the chronology in a way mm. because what happened is I was de- I, I was in development for two scripts, one at the BBC, one at Channel Four, okay. and so and the Channel Four wanted to make one of them into a pilot. Um, and then they asked me, like, could I write a part for myself in the pilot? And there wasn't really a part for me. So then I was like, who do I want to play? And that's how I could, then I came up with Max. So okay. Max was already positioned and they, they immediately loved it and was like, yeah, let's make a pilot for it. So Max was already positioned. You know, I, I'm very aware, like, that my career is not typical of a black artist mm. in England. You know, there's so many of our stories is that we have to go over to America to find work Mm. whereas my personal journey i've had lots of opportunities in the uk Mm. uk gave me my first play gave me my first movie gave me my first tv show gave me my first writing opportunity gave my first directing opportunity what do you put that down to is it because you're light skin is it colorism does colorism play a fact does classism play a fact because i'm around obviously the work i do so many creators are just hitting walls upon walls and there are so many people that have had to go to america and come back Absolutely, there is, um, we can see that there is a general advantage being, whether it be light-skinned or being, you know, middle-class, the way I speak isn't, like, from the streets or whatever, and and, and I recognise how that can give me access. Although, I would say, especially when I was coming up, there was a trend towards dark-skinned male actors and light-skinned female actors. Okay. You know, so our biggest actors, David Yellowo, Chiwetel, Ejiofor, um, Idris, Idris um, Daniel Kaluuya, like, the names that come to our head very often are dark-skinned guys, and so I didn't look and see a bunch of lights and guys who were killing it in America be like, yeah, look how easy yeah, it is yeah, for me. Yeah. Or even here in England, yeah. whether it be Lenny Henry or whoever was True. killing it here. Adrian Lester, David uh, Edward. But that's not to say that there isn't some privileges that mm. I had. But to be honest, I work as hard and there are many times in my career that I've worked as hard as and harder than anyone I know. Mm. You know, I, I would walk into an audition and I would look around the other people in there and think, you, you, haven't, you haven't got a chance against me. Because I gave everything. I didn't go to the birthday party. I didn't sleep. I was in the shower and I was working. But saying that, I think luck is a huge part of success. Mm. And like at the end of the day, there are five, you know, to back up numbers, there's five parts and 500 actors. So that means there's going to be a lot of disappointed people. Absolutely. And some of those people... I didn't get a chance because they're not very good. And some people didn't get a chance because their number didn't come up. And it's hard to differentiate what's what sometimes. So all that to say that I think the biggest problems here in the UK was access. When I graduated in 2001, there weren't Luthers. Where did you graduate from? Rada. Okay. But moreover, more importantly, there wasn't access to being an executive producer, to being being a director, to being a writer. And that's a problem that exists still today. So me having access to those opportunities is a lot about my hard work, but it's also about luck and the right time, right place, because I have no doubt that if I was a right black writer and director 25 
five years ago, would I get a chance to make Max? No, probably not. But it's amazing, and I and not to t- and it wasn't to take away from your hard work because no. I've heard that about you that you're a hard worker, mm. and that plays into it. And I think it's understanding what you want. Were you always sure that this is where you want to be? You want to be an actor, and then you want to have creative control. Was that always your 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 power? No, to, to be honest, I'm a kind of part of this resistance guy <laughs> very often. You know, like I see the opportunities and and try and pursue the best opportunity that I feel like I've got a, a good chance of succeeding in. And also, again, I, like I said, I've just been so lucky. So when I made my first short film, I had my brother Luti to help support me on a production level. And then he paid me because I was a poor theatre actor. He paid me to write my first script. So that meant I could sit down and write my first script, which is a feature film called Big Bad Blood. So me becoming a writer and director was facilitated by the luck of having someone like Luti having my he's, back. He's, he's, brother. he's my younger brother, but he's, you know, he's, he's always been... Uh-huh. He's supersonic. He's supersonic, yeah. And I mean, he's just such a, you know, grown up. He had, he'd been married with two kids and had a business. He was running multi-million pound business while I was still, you know, like prancing around. <laughs> the yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I worked with him. I used to do hairdressing, so I've done a few music videos okay. before. He was the first um, fact that I met. Right, right. So, right. yeah, it's inspiring to see. And now you guys have come together to... What's it like working with your bro? You know, L- Luti has a can-do attitude. Mm like very few people in this world. And really, that's what you want out of an exec producer. You want someone who can not only fulfill your vision, but broaden the horizons of your ambition. So that's how we get Jordan Dunn on our TV show. That's how we get Christopher Maloney. That's how, you know, we shot cameos with everybody from the Backstreet Boys to Jamie Oliver. And it's because he will facilitate even the most outrageous of my ideas. Which is, which is what you need. You need someone yeah. to um, be your rent, your stimpy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it has to be. But, um, and also, and that's, you've got such a great cast. I mean, so watching the preview yesterday, there's always that, okay, how good is this going to be? How much budget have they given these guys? And yeah. is it going to be one of those, okay, it's a black idea, right. we'll see how it goes. Right. But it's actually well-made, high production levels, yeah. brilliantly acted. Okay. How did you find the supporting cast like Javon and, as you said, Jordan? Like, I heard a bit like how Jordan came on board and yeah. stuff like that. What about Javon and um, the boy that plays your son. adopted son? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, some people like like Pippa and Javon, I've known for years, you know, and, and just admire their talent. And it's a wonderful opportunity to be able to go, hey, can we work with this? I mean, don't get twisted, Channel 4 can still get the final say on sure. who gets cast. But, you know, like, when you've got talent like Javon and Ben Pippa wanting to get on board, that's so great. And then also finding new young talent like Alan and Sonny um, was a very arduous process. Alan auditioned for a year and a half for this, you wow. know, and I did, like, six auditions. Like, like we auditioned the hell out of him. And I was sure of him pretty much from the first second audition. <laughs> okay, you know. But sometimes it's a process with with new young people that you have to kind of win other people over. So you and you, I like the fact that there's a year and a year and a half of casting and auditioning and that's mainly because we got postponed. We, okay. we were supposed to go a year before. Okay, fair enough. And then you know, we, was like work ethic. Got to make sure it's perfect. Yeah, no, no, that you know, like I think the perfection can be the end. You know, like the perfect can be the enemy of the good, and and that like it's better to do the good plan that will be executed than the perfect plan that's never executed and so no I'm not a person who just thinks 
you should ind- indefinitely tweak and twiddle because yeah. actually I, I don't think it's about getting the balance between wanting things to be absolutely right and also understanding that you have to move forward to finish things is there any weight of expectation from the, your, your people who are going to be watching and also being in a position of we look at its power because yeah. you, you create a control yeah. of everything and there's a responsibility to deliver the perfect product obviously it can't be perfect but right. trying to at least keep as many people quiet as possible because there's always going to be the naysayers and yeah you know I, to be honest I don't think about it like that like I know that I'm of African heritage you know and I know my exec producers of African heritage I know I I know the struggle I understand the struggle that people of African heritage and ethnic minorities have gone through in this country. So my responsibility is to be the best artist I can be. That's that, that you know, and, and my responsibility is to try and challenge those systems which keep us out. This is a production which had a black location manager and a black executive producer and a black writer and a black director, you know, like, and, and a black head of hair and makeup and, like, it was representative. And I think from my perspective, I had to do to do that. You know, just be true to me and to what I know is right. And so I think if you try and create work to please other people, then then you just run the risk of just making yeah. nothing. Yeah, Yeah, you have to speak from your voice. You have to speak from your truth. And then some people are going to like it and some people aren't going to like it. I want everyone to love the show, but I don't make it so people can love the show. I hear that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And what's your favourite scene? Without spoilers, please. My fav- well, my favourite scene actually is, there's a storyline in episode two about this, this young love that kind of like starts and there's like a minute and a half where there's almost no dialogue at all. It's mainly covered, t- taken by music where you follow a young boy and my son as he tries to find this person that he's fallen in lust, love, curiosity with. And they meet and they dance together. And that's just one of my favourite yeah. moments. And favourite time on set? Um, anytime Javon Prince is on, he's a fucking... <laughs> yeah. It's just great. I mean, generally what happens is Javon will come on with his script and be like, oh, I've got a question about this line. And then I'll grab his script and throw it as far <laughs> as I can. And then just be like, look, Go. bro, this is the situation. Just try and say something a bit like this. Let's go, turn on the camera, he goes, and then we'll say stop, okay, and then I'll give him a few notes and we just play and, you know, that was great. And then the other thing, we, we have a, um, a a cameo, we have some great cameos, but Giles Torreira, who was oh, in Mar Rainey's Black Bottom as well, yes, yes, yes. Um, he plays my father in the show, in the flashback. Okay, and, um, I was going to say flashback. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll find that in the flashback, and um, he, in the, in the flashback, my dad was originally teaching me how to dance. You know, the young me had to dance. And then I was thinking, I was thinking to myself, what am I doing? Like, Giles is one of the best singers I know. We should get him to teach Max how to sing. So I called him up the day before he was supposed to film. And I was like, bro, how about you sing a song? You teach sing a song instead of... And he said to me, OT, listen, of course, this is what we should do. You know, if you're going to go up to the bell, ring it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Say yeah, bro. Say so yeah. Giles. I'm gonna ring your bell. I'm gonna ring your bell. Oh, that's wicked. I can't wait to see that scene. So I mean, I can't. You know, as time runs fastly away from us, um, I can't not ask about Marvel. Yeah. You got Marvel's role, Mister. Right. Come on then. Well, how'd that happen? 
And what's it all about? Who I mean, made? funny enough, the way I ha- you know, I almost like I feel like I rejected the crown three times because when 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 the audition first came in, mm. I was writing Max, and I looked at the dates, and the dates clashed with Max. So I was just like, I'm not gonna audition. Oh I wow! Just, yeah, I just like I'm not gonna audition, and then I was. Wait, sorry, pause. Sorry, that's confidence. Like you didn't care. I was obsessed. I was in love with my nice. show, and I had to do it. And then if it, if it couldn't work, it couldn't work. And 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 I don't take auditions lightly either. So that's that's time away from Max for something that I probably won't get anyway. You know, fuck it. And luckily, I was with uh, my partner at the time. Was just said, look, just do it, do it, do it. And I was like, we're on holiday. It's gonna be a distraction. And she really pushed me to do it. And then I did it, and then she was like, that shit, do it better. And so I did it better, <laughs> and I sent it off. And then they came back and were like, yo, will you audition for, you know, will you, will you screen test with Scarlett? And I was like, oh, my God, like, I've actually got a chance again. this. Wow. And then I was like, look, I'll go for the screen test if you'll, if you'll remove the schedule so I can do Max. And my agent said, you're an idiot. That's not the way it works. They're Marvel. They don't move shit for you. And I was like, well, then I guess it can't work then. And then they just came back and just offered me the role. I didn't even do the screen test. They just offered me the role. And then I was like, oh, wow, now I've got an actual problem. And so, and then I got on the phone to Kate, who's the director, and she's an indie filmmaker. And I said to her, I said, listen, I'm making this passion project. I'm writing and directing it, and I have to do it. And uh, and she was like, we can make it work. And they made it work. And so, yeah. And again, you know, talking about luck, Handmaids was pushed, um, you know, normally shoot in September and now we're shooting in March. So that gave us a little bit of leeway to push Max a little bit. And then Marvel moved their dates for us, you know, and I, I'm so grateful to both Kate, but also the whole executive team to, to make it work. And so... I was in a situation where I was doing pre-production on Max, picking DOPs and costume designers and then going to set and shooting Marvel and then coming back and auditioning actors for Max. And so, yeah, it was a really, you know, exciting and thrilling and scary time for sure. And your character? Um, Mason. Yes. Um, Yeah, he's kind of like a uh he's kind of like you know like a like a fixer for for natasha you know i kind of sometimes think of him as like q, you know q and james bond mm-hmm. he's like that like you kind of like hook her up with anything but they, but they've got more of a relationship than that there's a kind of like intimacy there kind of like intimated that they've got more than just a platonic friendship there and so is mason gonna do a thing with the black widow Listen, I can't give you spoilers. Seriously. Why are we here? What are we talking about? That's amazing. That's the biggest, like, is that the biggest budgetist thing is that you work on us? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it must be. I don't know what the budget was for, but I'm sure it it was. But to be honest, I don't even think in those terms. Like, the most exciting thing about it for me was getting to OK and Scarlett. Sure. And and Scarlett not because she's a big star, but because I really like her work and Mm. I'm curious about working with her. And so... Like, of course, I don't want to make it like it doesn't mean anything to me, but I, I, I'm i just aware that, like, the more I can try and put my attention on working with people who I love and respect, I think that breeds longevity rather sure. than chasing after shiny things. I hear that. And then you're filming Handmaid. Handmaid starts next week, yeah. Can you give us anything about what, yeah, I where can. Luke's going to be? I'll tell you this right now, that this is the most revolutionary, unpredictable season out of all of them. There's nothing... This when I found out how this season is gonna go, I was like, "Are you sure that that's what I want?" And they were like, "Yeah," and I was like, "Sick." This show freaks me out because I can see it happening. Right. Is there any time on set when you're like, 
nah, this is too close. <laughs> this is like, I need to get out of this. We're pushing the narrative and it's scary. You know, so I, I, you know where I can particularly connect is when we do the flashback scenes. And sure. And I think in that flashback where the Gilead is more on the, like, the precipice yeah. of... Um, happening. Uh, yeah, of happening. Yeah. That, that's when it, it gets really, like, weird, yeah. And how did you get that role, actually? Do you know Nikki Amakuma Bird? Yes. She's a dear, dear friend of mine. Oh, bless. I love her very much. And uh, and she's my good luck audition partner because uh, I've auditioned a number of times with her and got the job. And so, yeah, she came around. We auditioned the scene in my kitchen, sent it off, off me the job. And that was it? That was it. It's brilliant. I mean, I was very, very proud to see you in that because I, I think that was... I don't know where or where mm. I was in the world, but it's just seeing you like, okay, I'm using that. Things are happening, things are moving. Yeah, yeah. Again, I just, you know, I give thanks. I think there's a lot of luck involved in that. In But, like, you know, lots of hard work as well, so... It's interesting to see what's going to happen because there is this conversation. 2020 has been the year where a lot of the broadcasters over here have been saying, look, there's stuff coming out. Don't worry, we're fixing these problems that you guys are talking about. And so I think Max is one of the first that's in completion. I suppose Small Axe would be another thing and maybe Queenie that's coming along. So it's like that gives us hope for us who have been fighting the good fight. Like, can we just get some creative control and get our stories on screen? So it's inspiring to see... What's next? What's next for me is, is doing Handmaids. Yeah. Um, I'm developing an African history project, which, um, you know, I'm really into history, and so that's just something... I've been documentary or scripted? Um, it's, it's, it's more it's like non-fiction. So that's really good, and we're talking to broadcasters at the moment and seeing where we want to, where we can place it. But it's a really fun project. And then actually, I, I started a charity about a year ago. It's ABC, yeah, ABC Foundation, which which has been private and privately funded by me and a couple of close friends of mine to try and provide tech opportunities for young women in uh, Zimbabwe. And so later on this year, I think we're going to be even more public and. I'm trying um, and push that. You're just busy and doing great things. It's going to be good times, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just really good to see you, good to see you. So, in your downtime, what do you do? How do you relax? I mean, I play basketball. Basketball's my love, you know, so I play basketball when I can. Yeah, I like to travel. This year I got to go to, to Rio and to Morocco, and so, like, I like to travel and kind of, like, explore the world a little bit and spend time with little people in my family. That's it. That's good. Yeah, sorry. What are you watching? Oh, what am I watching? Dude, I'm watching Succession, which is playing around my. You not finished it? Hurry up! Yeah. Come on, we yeah, need to I'm, get there. I'm just, I'm, I'm a bit late to the game. It's fantastic. Um, and then Rami was there something else I watched this year, which I really love. R A M Y. I can't, I can't recommend it enough. It's, it's, a, it's brilliant. I've heard of. I haven't started. Yeah. Trashed TV. I'm watching Love Is Blind. I was just saying this. It's ridiculous, but it's so good. Please oh, watch it. Love just, Is Blind. Yeah, it's the Netflix thing documentary. Oh right. I don't want to explain it. Just watch it. It's ridiculous. All right. All right. Love Is Blind. Yeah, I do love Island. Oh, what was the other recommendation? Someone else that said something. I've got two things I've got to watch now. Love Is Blind. I should know. I should have written that. I should write Love Is Blind. That otherwise, I'll... You're right. You're, don't come at me though. It's not like it's intelligent. This is what you <laughs> think is the best. <laughs> Hey, I said Succession is phenomenal. Gangster, but um, Love Is Blind is for when you want to. There is some kind of social element in it that makes you think, um, because the whole premise is Love Is Blind. Is Love Blind? No, all the time I've I've got varying four or five like uh, academic questions that I explore. Mm -hmm. You know, for some time. Normally, it lasts maybe three, four years. Sometimes over a decade. And one of the ones that I'm exploring at the moment is is the idea of what is attraction and where does it come from. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been doing quite a bit of research. I provided you a research tool. Yeah, thanks a lot. Appreciate that. I feel so so helpful. (laughs) I feel good on part of the team now. 
Yeah, I think, is that time or have we got more time? I don't know. That is time, I'm afraid. Thank you. Uh, thank, thank you so much. So far, time flew, huh? Time flew because you answered so well. Oh, no, it's so fun to take a normal conversation. Yeah.